outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. This is Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, powered by First Light. And this week, we're covering the 2021 rutting moon. This is Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, and this is episode 472. And today I am joined by Mark Canyon. And Mark, you'll be happy to know that I had like my first whitetail action over the weekend. It's been a long time coming for me this fall. Finally. Yeah, finally. I spent a couple of evenings glassing some pastures here in Montana that'll be deer hunting next week for a thing that we're filming for Meat Eater and Wired to Hunt. Um, and, and what I could say to summarize the action was this. It was like textbook October 24th activity. Um, Doe started filing into the food for the like last two hours of daylight. And at like sunset, finally, the bucks started coming into the food as well and increasingly got bigger as shooting light disappeared. And and to me, that's just like textbook late October with no outside um, factors as far as hunting pressure or a strange moon or really warm weather, or really cold weather, or anything like that. It just felt very much like late October to me. And I guess what I think that means is when I am hunting in a week, like those bucks that were showing up at sunset are now going to be showing up 30 minutes before sunset. And uh, instead of the biggest ones not rolling out until a few minutes of shooting light left, they might be out, you know, with 30 minutes of shooting light left or something like that. So it gives me some optimism, especially when I look at the the forecast and see some very monotonous weather that we've been used to uh, this fall as whitetail hunters. And I think you were also out this weekend or, or probably for the whole whoa, last whoa, week. Whoa. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before, before you go pushing to me, I got to find out what did you see? Like, did you see some shooters? Uh, I, I saw a buck that I would identify as a shooter, probably like a hundred and 35 inch five by five um for montana nice. it's probably like a, a three and a half or a four and a half year old deer a buck i would totally shoot the other bucks that i saw um were basket racks spikes um some like two and a half year old mule deer um so okay one one buck that got me excited that like i said he showed up very late into shooting light but i think a week from now he'll, he'll be out sooner than that 
Cool. Well, you know, speaking of this hunt, I think we can tease what we're doing. I think at this point, we should clue folks in the fact that we've got a very cool project coming up that we are going to be filming and releasing as a new show this fall. And it's going to drop the first episode in just a couple weeks Two, maybe it's maybe it's three weeks from now, give or take three weeks from now. This new show is going to drop. It is going to be following you and me and Tony Peterson and Clay Newcomb. And we're going to be hunting whitetails in four different places across the country and combining our four stories for this new series. Uh, so you're going to be in Montana, right? That's spot you're talking about? That's right. I'll be in Montana, and if Montana happens fast enough, I'm going to drop down to Wyoming and hunt there. Nice. So I will be doing my hunt in Iowa. Folks know I'm going to be hunting in Iowa. I'm going to document that hunt for this new uh, project, and then if I kill there, I'm going to move over to Nebraska, and Clay is going to be in Arkansas, and Tony is going to be splitting his time between Minnesota and Wisconsin. So uh, super stoked about this. We're going to start hunting in a week, so... uh, I'm feeling good. I feel like we're all going to be in good spots. We've got some cool things lined up. And uh, and yes, I'm glad you got a nice big buck out there to chase too, Spencer. So uh, fingers crossed he sticks around. I'm thrilled. It's it's one of the things that I love about Rut Fresh Radio is talking to hunters across the country and, and having an audio experience that is hearing from somebody from Mississippi and New Jersey and Kansas in the same episode. And that's sort of what you're going to have with this new show, you're getting these different storylines with different styles of hunting, with very different whitetail herds and very different tactics. Um, and that to me is like the most exciting part of the show. Can't wait. It's, uh, I've actually, I just unpacked from Arkansas and I realized right when I got done unpacking that, shoot, I should just leave it all out because I'm going <laughs> to start repacking in, in like a day and a half anyway. So it's here, man. It's going to yeah. be here any minute. Tell us, what were you going to say before I interrupted you? Yeah, tell tell us about the Arkansas hunt as far as buck movement goes. And then I think you also spent some time in a tree in Michigan as well. Yeah, so Arkansas was not a lot of activity, but I think that was simply because where I was hunting was public land, big woods, big mountains with very low deer densities. Uh, so over the almost week of hunting I spent there, you know, I guess it was like four and a half, four days or something in the woods. Uh, just saw a handful of deer. There was very little sign. There was a few rubs and one scrape. And I think I saw like four does and two bucks the entire time. There was maybe some kind of like cruising. I would say if there's any kind of sign or like any kind of activity of note, it was the fact that there were two bucks that were cruising in late morning. So that was that was kind of the extent of rut-related activity that I saw. Uh, the full story of that hunt will drop later this year on the podcast. So stay tuned for all the stories on how that went down, but very interesting, unique situation. I've, I haven't hunted this kind of way before, so it's very cool to give it a shot. Uh, and then, yeah, got to spend a little time in Michigan hunting and glassing. And I can tell you that I have seen some definite pre-rut activity here in Michigan. I saw a three and a half year old buck chasing a doe two days ago. I think it was. And I hunted last night and saw what looked like, you know, a hot doe with a bunch of bucks just standing around waiting so that I might have like a first hot doe of the year kind of situation. I saw like a two or three year old buck 
and then a couple year and a half old doing that thing where they're just standing on the edge of thick cover looking in there. And then there was some running around and then more standing there. And I've just seen that movie play out so many times. There's likely one of my shooter bucks was in that thicket with a doe and all these other kind of satellite bucks were orbiting around it. Uh, so I'm going to go back out there tonight and hopefully uh, be in the action. So it's it's just getting going around here. And I'm sure it's it's only going to get better. So that's that's my quick activity report. I love it. Late October is so cool because it's like a little bit of the rut chaos, but it's more organized to the, you know, first couple hours of daylight and last couple hours of daylight. So it's like organized chaos. You, you know, yes. you're probably not missing some cruising four and a half year old buck that's out there at noon, um, but he may be up and, and moving earlier than he ever would be earlier in the year um, with like 30 minutes of daylight left or something. So that's why I love yeah. late October. But yeah, man, it's one of my favorite parts of the year. Now I, I want to fast forward though to the rut and to November. And this is something we cover most years and that is the rutting moon. Now, before we talk about the rutting moon, Mark, uh, I, I think you have some qualifiers to put out there that come up anytime we have to that have this discussion. So like before we talk about what the rutting moon is and what it is for 2021, like what are kind of your general thoughts around the rutting moon theories? Yeah. So, so we, we have to talk about the rutting moon because it's a thing that people want to hear about because people, because a lot of people believe in this thing because a lot of people are intrigued by it. They want to, you know, be at least, I don't know, spitballing on it. So, so I want to make sure we address it, but I address it with these very significant qualifiers these very significant like asterisks next to this conversation because the science, a lot of different studies point to there being zero correlation between the timing of the whitetail rut and moon phase or moon position or anything like that. It, it, there's not been any kind of real correlation found. So let's just make that very clear. The science does not back up these theories. Okay. That said, there's a whole lot of anecdotal evidence. There's a lot of people that have done their own kind of little studies here and there, and they have strong theories and opinions on this. So we'll put this out here as a, hey, here's what some people have seen and think and, you know, swear by. And then I will also hedge it by saying, but the peer-reviewed studies can't back it up. So take this with a grain of salt. Take it however you want. Let it go in one ear and out the other if you want. Or if this is something that you've seen seems to match up and that you think works in your area, then, you know, pay attention. Or like you, Spencer, if you love to hear Sasquatch theories, even though you don't really believe in Sasquatch, this is one of those kinds of conversations for you, too. So that's my hedge. That's my qualifier. Uh, did I cover the the base, the bases mostly there? Maybe I didn't really explain what the thing is, though. So. That, that's okay. That. We'll get to that in a second. I think uh, you put the appropriate qualifiers on it. You even took my line about liking Nate <laughs> to Sasquatch. Like I, I don't believe yep. in Sasquatch. I don't believe in the rutting moon, but damn it. I am so interested in both. And I want to hear all the theories about both of them and any stories you might have related yes. to either one. Before we talk about the 2021 rutting moon though, what was the 2020 rutting moon? So hunters can have like some barometer or some comparison to what they may see in 2021 if they think that this is a thing that affects buck movement. Yeah. So first off, the rutting moon, when someone says the rutting moon, this is coming mostly from 
a theory and a kind of viewpoint popularized by Charles Elsheimer and Wayne LaRoche. Uh, Charles Elsheimer was a writer, photographer, uh, rest in peace. He passed away a couple of years ago. But uh, this ruddy moon theory is mostly popularized by them. And basically it was their belief that the timing of the rut, the peak of like rut activity is triggered by the second full moon after the autumn equinox. So that was like the triggering point that typically you would then see seeking and chasing really pick up from there. And then you'd see the peak breeding happen a little while after that. And this second full moon after the autumn equinox, that happens at different parts of the year, you know, every year. So that, in their belief, is why you would see rutting activity at different parts of the year in different places. So in 2020, the rutting moon, that second full moon after the autumn equinox, was October 31st. What this theory typically has shown, or, or what they what they say, is that when that rutting moon falls right in line with the typical, you know, beginning of November start of running activity, that's when you see the very best kind of synced up rut. You'll see stuff happen just like it's supposed to. You're going to see the chasing and you're going to see the seeking and it's going to be very frenzied and it's going to be daylight and it's going to be everything you ever dreamed about. That is what they predicted for the 2020 rut. Um, I would say, well, let me, let me take one step back. That's what the rutting moon theory said in 2020. I mentioned to you all in the beginning that the rutting moon theory is not backed up by any science. I did not mention what the science typically shows. The science typically shows, not the science, typically, it does show that rutting behavior, like the actual peak breeding, so breeding is consistent year after year. There have been studies that go and measure the size of fetuses and backdate them. You can actually tell when a fawn was conceived based on these measurements, they've went back, they've done that research, and they've shown that in most areas of the country, it is happening, the peak of this bell curve, right? You got to imagine a bell curve. There's always some early, there's always some late, but the majority always fall around this exact same time because this breeding behavior is triggered, the science shows, by photo period, which is the amount of daylight in a 24-hour time period. And that doesn't change. That's That happens at the same point in every year, year after year after year. So I should have mentioned that in the beginning. Most places across the country, you should see rutting activity in general follow the same trend. So for me here in Michigan, across much of the Midwest, it's rising through October. And then usually you get a lot of that seeking and chasing happening right about now through those first couple of weeks of November. And then somewhere around mid-November is when most parts of the country have their peak breeding dates. So Sorry, I didn't mention that up front. That is what the science and that's what most folks believe is what actually happens. Okay. The rutting moon in 2020 lined up with that. So it was supposed to be these two things matching up to create the best case scenario. So you've now laid the foundation for this. You've given caveats. You said what happened in 2020. You've explained what it is. You've explained what the science says about it. Now I want you to briefly talk about 2021's rutting moon. And I want to emphasize brief because you actually just wrote an article about this that probably goes into greater detail than you have the ability to on this podcast and, and lays it out in a more organized sense. So briefly tell us about the 2021 Rutting Moon, and then we'll tell folks where to find the article where they can get more info on this theory. You're so good at, at queuing up these plugs for our article, <laughs> Spencer. Kudos to you, man. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so the very Cliff Notes version 
is that we have a very late rutting moon this year because of the way the fall equinox falls. The rutting moon, the second full moon after the autumn equinox, technically is November 19th, so 20 days later than it was last year. And the short version of what that might mean, according to this theory, is that we're going to have something that Elsheimer referred to as a trickle rut. So this would mean rutting behavior kind of triggering from the first full moon after the autumn equinox on October 20th all the way through November 19th. So this is not as good of a set of circumstances as the theory indicated for last year. That is that enough to tease it? That's perfect. So if you want more on that, we have an article that Mark just wrote, says what you need to know about the 2021 rutting moon. Mark goes into even greater detail on the 2021 rutting moon and what that means for hunters. Your other reading material for this week, which you can find in the description of this episode, just scroll down if you're on like Spotify or iTunes or whatever, these articles are going to be linked right there. You click that, you're going to go to the Wired to Hunt website and, and be a fast way to catch up on some of our reading material. The next article is this strategy will help you kill more rutting bucks by Alex Gilstrom. Alex breaks down how a certain mindset will help you be a better deer hunter in November. And then from Bo Martonic, the pros and cons of rubber boots for archery hunting. Bo breaks down if rubber boots are right for you based on your whitetail hunting style. And then three reasons hunters fail during the rut by Tony Peterson. Tony goes over the common mistakes that deer hunters make when trying to kill a buck during the rut and offers some advice on how to avoid making them. Now, the other folks you're going to hear from in this episode are Nate Crick from Identical Draw in Kansas, Greg Litzinger from the Bow Hunting Fiend YouTube channel in New Jersey, Lake Pickle from Primos in Mississippi, and then TJ Unger from the Virtue TV in Indiana. I just got to say that Lake Pickle has got the best name for someone in the world of hunting. Yeah, I'm just very jealous. What a great name. Lake Pickle. He does. He, he could do anything. He could like, uh, he could host a late night show. He could be a NASCAR driver. He could work for Primos and come on the Wired Hunt podcast and talk about whitetails in Mississippi. That, that name works for anything. It really does. Good for him. Um, well, I, uh, I'm excited. I, I will tell you one thing I didn't mention in my writing moon discussion, but I think should just be mentioned here is that I'm not going to let that trickle rut prediction. I'm not going to let that late rutting moon prediction make me feel pessimistic at all. I'm not worried about it. Late October and early November is almost always great. We've got decent weather, so it's not like there's some big hot front coming through. Uh, stuff should be awesome. So get out there, have fun. I'm stoked. I think we're in for a really good uh, rut here coming up in 2021. Well said. The next time I talk to you, Mark, it will be November. Hallelujah. All right. And joining us on the line first is Nate Crick from Identical Draw in Kansas. Now, Nate, in Kansas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Uh, I would say a seven um, out of 10. Um, and I feel like that's kind of generous because the weather, at least from what I can remember from years past, the weather has definitely been colder. Uh, which makes better deer activity. And I feel like for this time of the year, it's been a little on the warm side, but we're still seeing decent buck activity. And especially in the last week, um, a lot more daylight activity. Now you and your brother, Tom have historically had some success bow hunting in late October. What is it about your hunting style or the property that you're on that you think sets up for killing bucks this time of year? Yeah. So Thompson and I, we hunt, we have had primarily big tracts of timber to hunt. 
we never really have had access to like big food plots or anything like that. Um, so I feel like we've figured out how to hunt ridges um, very successfully. And then the other side of that with late October is we've killed our bucks primarily over scrapes. We found really good travel areas on top of these ridge lines that it's taken a few years to figure out. But um, yeah, our, our combination has been really good travel areas on top of these ridge lines. And then coin that with really, really fresh sign. And that's where I've been, our success has been. Um, it's been a pretty simple formula that, hey, let's get a good access into that area so we don't have to be worried about our wind, get the right wind, get in there. And yeah, it's, we've really had good luck hunting fresh sign on ridge lines in late October. What are you seeing for sign making right now in Kansas? Um, we actually, we did a small walk about to move some of our cameras around today and we were surprised that there are a lot of scrapes around and we are here just about, oh, four, yeah, four or five days ago. And just today walking around, we saw at least three new scrapes. So, um, they are definitely starting to hit those pretty hard. Um, we haven't checked out the timber, um, in the area that deer would rub on. We've got a lot of hedge in the areas that we've hunted so far and uh deer don't want to rub on that for obvious reasons such as it's such a hardwood um but yeah the scrape activity has been really really good the last last few days what's the status of the crop harvest in kansas right now and what other food sources are relevant this time of year yeah i would say in our area i bet we're looking at 75 percent harvested in the area still has the occasional field that i'm seeing that's still standing um but yeah I feel like um, a few weeks ago when they really pulled most of the crops out, um, that actually had a pretty decent impact um, on deer movement. And I felt like our sits got, got pretty decent actually during that time of October. But yeah, as far as now, I feel like they are not as worried about their food sources and kind of moving to those, those thicker bedding areas. But I'll tell you what, on, on at least on our, our 80 acres in Kansas that we're hunting, we've got three acres of a mix of corn and beans and then we've got these tiny little transition plots what we call them that are um usually clover and maybe some, some brassicas in there but basically just a mix that we threw over um this spring um and those plots have been the ones that have really caught fire the last week and i think it's because um it's in the timber so the deer are super safe and those were the plots that were just getting hammered by those and again they're small they're like quarter acre or smaller and in the last week, we've seen that buck activity pick up in those because it was such a home to all these does that instead of a herd of does moving through in the evening, we're getting a couple straggler bucks to be on their tails too now. In late October, how do your morning setups differ from your evening setups? Um, honestly, the last, last few days, we've been having them pretty similar, but I would say in the evening, um, which we based it on uh, a lot of trail cam activity. Our evenings have been better. So the only thing that we're doing in the evenings that's a little different in the morning is maybe getting a little more aggressive and maybe getting a little tighter to where we think these, these deer are heading. Um, in the morning, I think we do still this, like this, this time, this is probably the last week where we might play it safe a little bit more in the mornings and work the, the food to bedding areas that might not be as risky. But yeah, for these evening setups, we are getting, we're hugging bedding pretty tight. And if you could throw in, like I was just talking about, like a little green clover pot in there, um, that, that's been really money for us in the evenings. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Kansas? 
Uh, I'd go eight to eight out of ten. I would think I'd give it one more up. Um, I think this time of the year is amazing, um, and I do think it's still it's still at least in Kansas it's still getting up into the fifties and almost the sixty mark during the day. Um, it is dipping to about thirty degrees, so I do think I mean it's still a little warm, but this is the time of year that hey, bucks are going to start moving, and uh, everybody's kind of getting antsy in the deer woods, so. Um, I, I'm expecting it to be really good the next week. All right, Nate, good luck to you and your brother. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Greg Litzinger from the Bowhunting Fiend YouTube channel in New Jersey. Now, Greg, in New Jersey, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd give it a 6. I think the weather's had a lot to do with it. It's really Here in Jersey, it's been warm and a lot of weird winds, a lot of east winds, southeast winds, so there's definitely some changes normal um i guess normal patterns yearly patterns so i i, I would give it a six you know especially um public land you know, strictly public land here so what are you seeing for sign making right now in new jersey um rubs bigger rubs uh are popping up um say like the big boys have come out a little bit and scraping areas um are they're staying active, but not like super active like they were you know, around the, the 12th of October. They were really you know, jumping off. I, I perceive in the next couple of days, it should you know, pick back up, you know, uh, regarding, you know, regardless of the weather. If you're doing some in-season scouting this time of year on public land in the Northeast, what are some things that you're looking for? This year I've located, uh, foods. I've concentrated on foods. Um, there's a lot, there's a bumper acorn crop. Um, in the woods I'm hunting. So there's food everywhere. So trying to find uh, the right food, which is going to be key, I think. Um, we have corn and beans, but they've been mowing that stuff down because it's been dried out. So the, the, the crops have been slowly disappearing and it's forced a lot of deer in the woodlots uh, a little sooner than normal. So um, food has been become a hot item, I think, for a lot of these deer because there's just, you know, it's, it's everywhere and they just want to disgorge. If you're running trail cameras right now on public land, where do you want to have them this time of year in New Jersey? Um, I'm a scrape guy, um, so I'm I'm near scrapes on a scrape line. Um, anything scrape based, I guess, is a good option. Historically, when do you usually start seeing some rutting activity, like chasing and sparring in that part of the country? October twentieth, eighteenth uh, to the twenty first seems to be uh the first couple of those around here kind of pop in the heat you get a few so get the the bucks on your feet in late october how does a morning setup differ for you than an evening setup for me personally they're the same um sitting over a scrape um usually you know morning and evening unless i you know run in some crazy hot like food sign or something on the way in but basically i'm i'm Focusing on big scraping areas or a scraping line, feeding like a, a, a you know, known food source. Are you able to use aerial imagery at all to identify places that are likely to have useful scrapes to hunt? Uh, depends on where I'm hunting. Um, where I'm hunting this year, it's kind of just it's a lot of laurel, big woods kind of setting. So aerial photos, you can date them. You can see some of the oak trees, little patches of oaks, and yes. So when you're identifying a good scrape to be hunting in late October, what are some key features that you're looking for? 
numerous scrapes on one tree uh, with all broken um, overhead, you know, licking branches or a, like a scraping, you know, area. I guess there's numerous scrapes on numerous trees. Just the more scrapes, the better in a small, uh, small area. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in New Jersey? Um, I'm going to give it an eight. I just think, you know, historically speaking, you know, it's been, you know, a weird, strange, um, wind and weather here and they're just going to, they're just going to have the the earth breathe and move. So these scraping areas are going to, you know, just really ramp up and the bucks are definitely going to be on their feet just because, um, if you're not for your last, basically this time of year for, for breeding. All right, Greg, good luck with the rest of your fall. And thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. All right. And joining us on the line next is Lake Pickle from Primos in Mississippi. Now, Lake in Mississippi, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? I'm going to give it a two. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I know that sounds like a low score. But I think a lot of folks from down there, of course, you'll have your, your outliers, but a lot of folks from that area would probably agree. Uh, this time of year, the weather, I mean, it's still hot. I mean, it's deer season, so some people, folks have that mindset that, you know, season's open, you got to go, you got to try, which I completely understand. But um, last week we had a full moon, hot weather, it's humid, it's just not, not a lot of things motivating a, a, a deer, a buck move in daylight hours so that's where the where the low score came from historically in late october in mississippi is the buck movement a two out of ten yeah i mean i wouldn't say it not anything above a five by any by any means are you seeing any sign making right now in mississippi you'll see you know some scrapes and stuff nothing nothing anything too intense we're still a month it'll be late november early december before you start seeing anything really like that breaking loose what food sources are relevant right now for deer hunters in that part of the country um a lot of your mass trees whether that be you know soft mass like persimmon trees and stuff like that you still have some acorn trees that are very much in play um and then you'll have a few guys that do early season food plots if you can have a food plot that early and it be up and and going that can be a good food source for you but i'd say mostly a lot of natural stuff is still your key where do you like to run your trail cameras this time of year uh food plots if you got them and and any kind of food sources because that's where most of it's going to be for sure in late october in mississippi are you doing much for morning hunts and if so what do those setups look like we don't, man, uh, and I tell you the reason behind that uh, is come a, like a not a point of of not really a point to argue on, but which is a lot of differing opinions. Uh, where we hunt at, there's a lot of other pressure around, you know, whether that be from neighboring landowners or, or whatever. But the deer just tend to get pressured a lot, and this time of year we key in heavy on food sources. And a lot of times that we figured out through a lot of trial and error is if we're trying to just, you know, sneak into food sources before daylight, a lot of times you end up bumping a deer off and the deer down here, especially where we hunt, they do not, they, they respond to pressure drastically. So, uh, if we get, you know, like pull a trail camera and see something that 
you know, maybe shows a morning hunt, maybe worth sneaking in there and trying it, we'll do it. But most of the time, we just leave it sit in the morning and go in the afternoon strictly for no other reason than just try to take pressure off those deer because they're so, they respond so drastically to it usually. Historically, then, when do you like to start doing some morning haunts in Mississippi? Uh, when you start seeing some pre-rut activity, uh, when you start seeing bucks do more than just get up and go the bare minimum distance to get a bite of food and go back. Uh, you see them start getting on their feet and moving and that and that, then it, then morning hunts definitely become worth it. Up and when the rut starts, you know, kicking, morning hunts can be fantastic. That's when we had some of our best hunts last year. But this time of year, I think in our situation, we're we're doing more harm than we than we are good typically. When the temps are high this time of year, does water factor into your setups at all? Not really where we are, just because there's there's not like there's a a low availability of it. I mean, we've got creeks and lakes and ponds. There's just so many places they can go to get water. Granted, they are using it. It's just you're not going to find some place that's heavily concentrated for them to do that. They just have too much access to water. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Mississippi? Um, I must say, I could say we could see like a four or five, we start seeing some cooler temperatures. Um, but, but still I wouldn't grade it anything too high. All right, Lake, good luck to you and the boys from Primos. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, man. All right. And joining us on the line last is TJ Unger in Indiana from the Virtue TV. Now, TJ in Indiana, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Ah, Spencer, we are looking at lately probably about a six. We're sitting here around a six to a seven in northeast Indiana. Um, buck activity is definitely increasing. We're seeing more two, three-year-olds all through the daylight hours. Those are getting dogged, and they know it. I mean, they're, they're getting very familiar with what the next step is. Um, so things are, things are ramping up pretty quick. I've got us probably at a six or a seven right now. That part of the country has been getting a lot of precipitation this month. How has that changed things for deer and deer hunters? We have, as of late especially, we've been getting several inches of, of rain. So one of the biggest factors or variables there is a lot of standing crops. So we've got a bunch of corn that's still standing around, which obviously you guys know um, it just increases habitat for these deer. They can spend more time out in the corn and less time in the, in the field edges and in the woods where us hunters are. Um, so deer are still hanging pretty tight to that habitat. Um, and it makes it a little bit more difficult to have daylight, you know, daylight, uh, encounters and, and, uh, really seeing your, your number ones and twos, uh, hitting your, hitting your scrapes and whatever else. So crops, standing crops, I think is, uh, has affected at least on the farms that I'm on. Um, they started getting indros out last week, but we just got hit with another few inches last night. Um, I'm expecting probably crops to still stand another two or so weeks, um, going into the rut heavy, which is going to change things quite a bit. Besides standing corn and beans, what other food sources are relevant right now for hunters in that part of the country? So I've seen a pretty recent transition to greens. So we've got colder temps finally. Um, and obviously they need those, the greens to help digest the grains, but, um, as of late, seen a nice transition onto those green food plots so we have a lot of clover plots 
we've got brassicas. Um, we ran a lot of winter peas this year, um, and the deer are finally figuring it out, and they're hitting those greens more frequently and more frequent daylight hours for us. So I'm running all cell cameras across all of my farms, um, and it's been really neat to watch as the farmers have pulled, like, indros out. Um, those deer transitioned, obviously, to the fresh-cut corn, uh, but they popped right back over to, to greens as of here the last week. Um, so I think we get these north winds that are in the forecast. Um, I'll start hunting those green plots pretty, pretty heavily. What are you seeing for sign making right now in Indiana? Scrapes are hot. Scrapes are absolutely on fire right now. I had a little bit of a downtime uh, maybe a week ago, um, which was maybe kind of a soft lull. Uh, but this last weekend, those scrapes absolutely turned up again. I'd mentioned we've got, we've had a lot of precipitation. Um, those bucks are, are freshening those scrapes. You know, once that, that front moves out, they're hitting those main community scrapes really hard. So I'm getting a lot of really exciting videos coming in, um, of the number ones and twos that they're freshening them up. They're figuring out who's two and communicating of course, but um, it's active. They're hitting those scrapes every two to three days. Um, obviously, precipitation plays a factor there, but um, sign is high. A lot of buck rubs, a lot of scrapes right now across all my farms. I assume by now you're doing some morning hunts. So how do your morning setups differ from your evening setups in late October? Yeah, so um, obviously with day bedding changing around a little bit with crops, you know, even though they're pulling endros out, um, those deer are transitioning from bedding to those grain fields, um, even just on those edges and endros. So I'm focusing a little bit more on transition routes. Um, those bedding areas, you know, they're going through the, the funnels to, to get to that food. Um, I'm watching those does pretty heavily, um, especially those mature does that are getting bumped around uh, to kind of decide where I'm wanting to set up. So starting to focus on those doe bedding areas. In past years in Indiana, when there's been a late harvest that carries on into the rut, how do you sort of combat that by having some good encounters? Do you have any hot tips for bow hunting whitetails when they're still standing crops and it's the rut? Um, I don't, you know, it's tough for me to speak to ev for everyone here because I'm hunting a lot of properties that have postage stamp, you know, parcels or, or woodlots. So we're hunting on, you know, 30, 40 acre woodlots um, that are surrounded by corn. In some places, it is an advantage because those deer are able to hold on those smaller pieces or those smaller parcels. Um, with that in mind, I'm keeping pressure down as low as I possibly can. Scent control is humongous and access uh, is, is critical for these areas. So with the corn still standing, you know, deer are still hanging out in those fields all day long. Um, so I'm just being extra mindful of obviously the wind direction as I'm accessing, but, um, you know, as I start to push in a little bit closer on bedding, just being really, really mindful of my ground scent and, you know, how that scent is blowing into those areas. So it's tough hunting these small parcels, um, but it can be an advantage if you play it right. So, you know, for an example, we've got these endros that are being cut out and typically I'd be hunting over that corn, you know, an entire cut cornfield, but We've mixed it up a little bit this year and made some natural blinds in standing corn um, to give us a little bit of leverage to get closer and, and you know, maintain that control of, of the wind. But um, just trying to be a little bit more creative, um, you know, with, with these obstacles or challenges that we've been presented with. Super wet conditions and a lot of crop. 
going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Indiana? I'm going to throw it out there. I expect, I hope I'm going to see about an eight to a nine here over the next week, week and a half. Um, we've got this big rain event that's moving out uh, here Tuesday. So Tuesday night um, should be a pretty, pretty exceptional little sit. 10, 10 degree temperature drop, and it should remain consistent over the next five to eight days. Um, so I'm looking for that activity that we've seen ramp up just kind of explode for us here over those next couple of weeks. So I'm still going to say conservatively an eight because it's just not very often we see a 10. Um, but eight and a half, I'll be happy with it. All right, TJ, I like your optimism. Good luck with the rest of your fall, and thanks for joining me. Likewise, man. Thanks for having me on. And that concludes this week's episode of Rot Fresh Radio. Thanks to Nate, Greg, Lake, and TJ for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. As a reminder, the reading materials for this week can be found in the description of the episode. You're going to find articles like What You Need to Know About the 2021 Rutting Moon, This Strategy Will Help You Kill More Rutting Bucks, The Pros and Cons of Rubber Boots for Archery Hunting, and Three Reasons Hunters Fail During the Rut. If you want to follow me as I'm getting into the woods more this fall, Go to Instagram and check out at Spencer Newharth. And if you want to see everything Mark is up to, go to Instagram and look at at Wired Hunt. The next time I talk to you, it will finally be November. And I'm sure that our rut reports will finally include some rutting activity, which I am stoked about. Until then, stay Wired to Hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.